Tommy Rowe. Listen to Interview the Legends with Ray Shasho on BBS Radio TV. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Interviewing the Legends, brought to you by the Publicity Works Agency, devoted to promoting musicians and authors worldwide. Call us today at 941-877-1552 to start your free publicity evaluation. Remember, we shine only when we make you shine. Please welcome the host of Interviewing the Legends, music journalist, author, and entrepreneur, Ray Shasho. Hello once again, everyone. I'm your host, Ray Shasho. Welcome to another edition of Interviewing the Legends on BBS Radio TV. It's brought to you by the Rockstar Chronicles Series 1, my new book featuring over 45 intimate conversations with the greatest music legends the world will ever know. And it's available now on bookbaby.com and amazon.com. John Hall has written songs for Janis Joplin, Bonnie Raitt, Ricky Skaggs, James Taylor, so many more. He's played guitar in tours and records, recorded for Little Fee, Taj Mahal, Jackson Brown, and Seals and Cross. His music and environmental activism led him to 10 years in elective office and co-funding Muse, Musicians United for Safe Energy. Now, back to music full-time, he writes songs and performs solo, and with Orleans, the group he co-founded in the 1970s. Of course, their biggest hit, Still the One, and Dance With Me, continue to garner hundreds of thousands of streams per week and to appear in mass media from commercials to movies and even political campaigns. Uh, The former is also in the title of John's memoir, Still the One, A Rock and Roll Journey to Congress and Back, Reclaiming My Time, is John Hall's sixth solo record, in addition to the 18 albums he recorded with his band Orleans. The title is a phrase used in Congress, where Hall spent four years after being interrupted. It's also an allusion to the music he might have written and played during 10 years in elective office. Reclaiming My Time is available to purchase now at Amazon.com. Please welcome American musician, songwriter, politician, environmentalist, and also the founder, longtime member and founder of Classic Rock Legends, Orleans, John Hall, to interviewing the legends. Hello, John. <laughs> Hi, Ray. Thank you so much. Thanks for that big buildup. People don't realize how hard it was to get on Zoom uh, this afternoon, so hopefully they never will. <laughs> well, you know, I just wish I had bought stock in Zoom before uh, February of 2020. But, uh, you know, we use the technology as well as we can. Exactly. And technology is moving so quickly, it's hard to keep up. So we're doing the best we can, like you said. 
How's your racquetball game? And now are you are you back to racquetball now that the uh, pandemic is slowing down or? I haven't played racquetball in a while. I, really? I, I switched to tennis from racquetball, which is maybe a problem for well, me. <laughs> for me, it was because racquetball is a very wristy stroke and, and tennis, at least the way I'm capable of playing it is I can't have too much wrist or the ball will go to unpredictable places. But um but, you know, I've just been, I've been doing various things for sport, exercise, uh, entertainment. And right now the athletic endeavor that I'm involved in is getting back to playing on stage with Orleans and, and, and doing my own solo stuff as well. We just, the last two weekends we played for the first, the first shows we've done in a year and a half. And How'd that feel? Great. It felt great. I mean, my calluses were a little sore, you know. Yeah, sure. Fingertips. Um, and uh, it was more a problem of, you know, remembering all the harmony parts and remembering all the words to some of the songs. I, you know, I've written enough songs that some of these things I just, if I don't sing them all the time, I come up with the words out of sequence. And uh, uh, But it's all okay. The audience has, has been very happy the last two Shows, I don't think they noticed any of the mistakes that we noticed in our own performance. No, they're just happy to have you back. You know, that, you know, it, it, if, if there's lots of mistakes, who cares? You know, we're hearing music again. That's the main thing. Right. And seeing yeah. people playing it for us. And, and yep. for us, having people that we can look at and sing to and mm-hmm. play for uh, directly as opposed to, you know, online. We've done a lot of work in the last year and a half. Uh, uh, online recording remotely do made uh, well a lot of this record most of this record uh, reclaiming my time uh, my new record mm-hmm. was done in isolation and uh, songs written in isolation to a great extent um, but to be in the same room it's like it's always better to be in the same studio together than right. to be recording from different cities in different states uh online and trying to sync it together and make it sound like you're in the same room. And it's the same thing with being on stage. There's, there's no substitute for, for playing as a societal, as a communal event where mm-hmm. the audience sees it and hears it as it's being made. And, um, and so I, we're, we're very happy to be able to do that. You know, I wish you kept uh, in the public eye as far as politics, because then I could say I interviewed the president, you know, <laughs> You can't. You should have kept on going, man. <laughs> I, if I'd have kept on going, I would probably be dead. I'm sorry. To say that. I, no, really. I I had a couple of serious health problems. Really, and my, my I won, you know, two terms in Congress and yeah, ran for election in 2010 and didn't win that one. And it turned out that I had uh, I had prostate cancer and I also had an aneurysm. Wow, I didn't know that. I ascending aorta. Well, nobody really knew, but now I'm telling you, you get the scoop here. On I your get show. the scoop. Yeah. yeah. No, it was really a case where if I'd, it's probably, if I'd been reelected, mm-hmm. I would have been on the floor on C SPAN saying, if we don't stop this climate change, <laughs> you know, and then I would be a one day story in Politico or something. But how do, you, um, how do you recover from an aneurysm? I know, I know that's, that's, some heavy stuff. Well, the first thing was to have surgery to correct it. And right. then after that, it's just take it easy for a couple months. And, right. you know, you gradually, you, you start out with a weight restriction on what you can lift. Mm-hmm. As with a lot of surgeries, any 
abdominal surgery or chest cavity surgery, you, you know, you have to, you have to heal enough that you can lift any weight and, and not spike your blood pressure or your uh, pressure inside your cavity where your lungs are and other organs, heart, especially. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, so it's time and then it's working your way back. And I, I did rehab. I, you know, it's, it's like any other injury basically um, in the sense that if you follow directions, don't try to rush it, but do your exercises. So you, you, you know, you can get back to, to normal. And I'm very blessed and happy to say that I, that I uh, can pretty much do anything that I was doing before. Uh, maybe even more so. That, that's awesome. I, I just had some, I had Tommy Rowe on recently and he just told me he had quadruple heart surgery and he feels better than ever, but he, he didn't tell anybody. And I was the first to know on that one as well, I guess. Right. Well, about my cancer surgery, I didn't tell anybody because I was in the middle of the 2010, camp, 2010 campaign. Okay. And uh, I told my chief of staff and my right. older brother, and I think that was it. Uh, I just, uh, didn't think it was a anybody's business and B mm-hmm. I didn't want people to think, Oh, I won't bother voting for him because he can't, he won't finish his term right. or I can't contribute. I won't contribute money to his campaign because exactly. he won't be able to do it. Um, so I, uh, you know, I kept it to myself and it was only after that election night, uh, November, 2010, that I, mm-hmm. that I did tell my daughter, and <laughs> yeah, a few other tough. people who really should know. That's hard. But at that point, I'd already, I was already cancer free. So good for you. Uh, a lucky guy. I ha- I had a uh, biopsy done on my prostate too because I had a scare. Uh, it turned out it wasn't cancer, but you know it's 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 a scary thing. You know when you have to go through all that. I was, you know, thinking the worst. Of course, yeah, it's do. a scary thing that that uh, the number of people who get cancer is uh, percentage in the United States has been rising higher. When in the seventies it was one out of every four Americans statistically yeah. would have some kind of cancer. Right. And that was up to one, one out of every three. And I think it's now more like half of all Americans will have some kind of cancer in their lifetime. And that number is going to keep going up. Yeah. As long as we keep pumping out plastics and, yeah. and you know, different, you know, hydrocarbons and sure. pesticides and, you know, PF, PFOAs and all these different chemicals into the atmosphere. It's and I'm, you know, I've, I've done a lot of, uh, as you read in your mm-hmm. intro, a lot of environmental work and that's partly why I got into politics and mm-hmm. uh, but also writing songs about it. And there's a song called save the monarch on this mm-hmm. record. That's about the, the different endangered species that we are pushing to the point yeah. of extinction. If we don't wise up pretty soon. And right. That was written as a hymn. It was uh, my little brother was a priest and my, my mom had a master's in divinity. And I heard oh, wow. a lot of stuff as I was growing up about, you know, moral, you know, living and, mm-hmm. uh, and in particular, you know, being good stewards of the planet. Mm-hmm. And uh, but in the song, I, I sang a duet with Dar Williams on this uh, on this song, Save the Monarch. And mm-hmm. uh, it saved. I heard it so it would sound like God Save the King or God Save the Queen. But it saved the monarch butterfly. Yep. Save the king, the king condor. Mm-hmm. Watch him rise. Save the queen, the queen of the honeybees. The honeybees, right? Uh, and you know, all of these different species are are in trouble. Largely because there's a so many people on the planet. Period. Maybe mm-hmm. too many people on the planet, and B because we just can't seem to 
think of them as as important as human lives are. Um, and so, and the bridge goes, the lyric to the bridge, uh, it has been written, you gave us dominion over things that walk the earth, mm-hmm. swim the sea and soar the sky. Forgive your people who know not what they do. Mm-hmm. Lift the veil from our eyes. So it's, there are actually biblical quotes. Beautiful in, lyrics. Yeah. Uh, scriptural quotes. Yeah. In the song, but it's, you know, it's a pretty song. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. melody. And, and, you know, I always like to try to uh, write about whatever's important to me, sure. whether it's the one or dance with me or yeah. time passes on yep. or save the monarch or mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. Uh, these different songs, if it's important enough that if I feel it myself as being very important, mm-hmm. then I want to, I want to communicate it by song. Well, I love the album. I gave it five stars. It's called mm-hmm. Reclaiming My Time. Uh, it is out now. I think the official date was May 28th. Right. And uh, I want to talk about the album. Um, one of my favorite, late, the, the, uh, it starts out with Think of You, which has got Sharon Vaughn. Who, Sharon Vaughn's very, very famous. She's worked with so many people, Dolly Parton, Waylon Jennings, Kenny Rogers, Right. Um, she's she's worked with the uh, the Jordanaires, um, you, you know. Right. She's written a ton of yeah. of hit songs in the country market, and also mm-hmm. has you know been writing for the pop market as well, and for writing with uh, Swedish artists and producers right. and so on. So uh, yeah, Sharon's great <clears throat> and really fun to write with, and quick. I mean, she's such a good lyricist. So I you know I think of you is a melody that I. Mm-hmm. I came up with, and you know, she wrote the lyric to it, and and it's the only song on the record that doesn't have harmony backup vocals on it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know why; that's just the way I heard it. So, mm-hmm. so that's the opener, and uh, and hopefully, we'll make people happy enough that they listen to the second track. <clears throat> you know what I caught on that song, John? The guitar sounds a little bit like the Beatles and the Birds. Am I right? Right on that? Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. It, I caught that. It's I, that I chimey, said, that's cool. Yeah, the chimey thing, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I always liked. Well, one of the things I loved about the Beatles was their intros and endings. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they they wrote, for instance, the intro on Eight Days a Week, mm-hmm. or you know, the first time I heard, uh, the first time I heard, uh, I want to hold your hand. The intro on that, the guitar intro, was so recognizable, um, and. You know, the same goes for everything from all you need is love to, mm-hmm. to uh, strawberry fields. It goes, it goes on. But uh, Lady Madonna, mm-hmm. this, you can identify their song by the intro. Exactly. And so so yeah. I think of you, I, I set out to try to do that. And it's yep. that 12-string ringy mm-hmm. chime kind of sound, like Bells of Remini or uh, Turn, 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 the, the birds' yep. versions of those songs. Yeah. I heard it in the song. It's great. I love it. Um, you alone too long, um, co-written with a couple of guys, John Paul Daniel, Tad Richards, great saxophone in that, in that that's also, there's also an official video out for that from, correct, I guess on YouTube. You can find that if you go to johnhallmusic.com yep. or to my, my webpage, John Hall musician on, I'm sorry, my Facebook page. And it's, uh, John Paul Daniel is a, a friend of mine for 35 mm-hmm. years, uh, he and his wife were longtime friends of mine. Mm-hmm. She passed away about um, 20 months ago. Oh. And uh, I was on my way driving down from 
the Hudson Valley of New York, right, to Nashville to say goodbye to her when she passed. And uh, but I was there with John Paul for the visitation and the funeral. And, mm-hmm. and the day after the funeral, we started writing and we wrote the song really? Mystic, or the third song. Huh. But anyway, so after after John Paul had, you know, eight months of grieving or so after, you know, he was lonely and yeah. and uh, in grief. But but he asked another friend when it was OK to start dating. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, don't stay alone too long. You might start to like it. And I thought, that's a song. That's got to be a song. <laughs> And uh, and it was too home, too close to home for Tad, right. for, uh, for John Paul to finish with you. But Tad Richards, right. fabulous lyricist and mm-hmm. sculptor and artist and poet from Woodstock, mm. New York, uh, wrote the lyrics uh, with me for that. Incredible song. Thank you. Lessons, Paul, lessons you co-wrote with Janelle. I had Janelle on the show, Janelle Mosser. Great, yeah. Yeah, and, and you were on her um, little black dress, I guess. You, you guys worked yeah, together. Yeah, that was a live performance of her and me at the Bearsville Theater in Woodstock. Yeah. Um, and those are all songs on that record that Johanna and I wrote with Jonelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this Lessons is written with Jonelle and Johanna. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's uh, I'm, I'm really proud of my, uh, actually, you know what? That's another song with no harmony. I, I forgotten, <laughs> uh, but, um, but it's, I'm proud of my guitar playing on that record. Uh, on yeah. that song. Um, I've heard people make comments about this kind of thing. Like, you know, I li- needed to learn patience. Mm-hmm. I wound up in a traffic jam mm-hmm. and, uh, and the song just, Jonelle came up with a lot of those ideas and, mm-hmm. you know, Johanna and I, uh, filled them in, uh, but uh, yeah, Jonelle's really fun to write with. She's a great singer. She's cool. a great songwriter. And actually, yeah. I'm doing a show July 8th in Nashville with her mm-hmm. and with uh, um, it's Jonelle Mosser and friends with, mm-hmm. with me being one of those friends and John Cowan, who sang on this record and played bass on World on Fire and with Andre Zahn, who sang on three tracks on this record, um, mm-hmm. will be Jonelle's guest for that show, too. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, she's really cool. She goes on and on about you and, and your wife. You know? Oh, well, that's yeah. nice. She's, yeah. she's a really close uh, friend as well as a fabulous songwriting partner. My wife's from Kentucky also, so we kind of hit it off. <laughs> um, one song, this was really cool. It's um, Isla Morada. Is that is that how you say it? That's Isla Morada. Isla Morada, which is in the Florida Keys, right? It's, it is, yeah. yeah. It's one of the middle keys. It's uh, uh it's a beautiful place. And but the song is kind of a uh, I, there's a lot of South American and Caribbean influence in that. I mm-hmm. to visit uh, um my daughter when she was on a Fulbright in Brazil for a year. I right. you know her, and I sailed my boat uh Cool. Uh, one of my one of my sailing trips to Cuba from Key West, and um, on a humanitarian aid mission that was mm-hmm. legal. We got a letter from the Treasury Department saying we had permission to go. Awesome. And um, but uh, so that song has a bunch of uh, you know it's kind of sort of a samba uh, beat or mm-hmm. a, um, it has a couple different Latin uh, South American influences in it. Uh, it's also a song of uh, lost love, you know. It's a uh, and Johanna and I, my my first wife and mm-hmm. songwriting partner on all these songs, a lot of these songs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
honeymoon in Isla Mirada. And um, so the song is kind of refers to that. I, uh, um, you know, it's, it's uh, like I said, I, I write about things I feel strongly about, sure. you know, whether they're, you know, falling in love or breaking up mm-hmm. uh, or trying to save the, the what happened. Yeah. <laughs> the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, yeah. I, I'm kind of embarrassed. I've lived here in Florida for 18 years. I've, I've never heard of uh, that place. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I know Key West and that, and I've never been to Key West. Well, yeah. it's a beautiful place. Yeah. I um, spent some time there mm-hmm. a couple times. And um, so, yeah, the Isle Mirada is in the middle of the Keys. It's, okay. uh, it's not as far down the Keys as Key West or Marathon. Right. Uh, but it's it's below Key Largo. Yep. yep. And there are a lot of really tiny keys in between that people don't yeah. talk about as much. But uh, but Alamorada is a beautiful place. And I had some friends who, uh, uh, Billy Davidson and, and Paul Case, play mm-hmm. uh, there at a place called the Lorelei. Uh, right. Every, uh, every winter. They, they started, uh, I guess you could call it a, uh, an invitational, a, a a residency at the mm-hmm. Lorelei in Isla Mirada uh, in around October and go right through the winter into spring. Oh, and then nice. Back to north. Yeah. Very nice. Um, another sunset, another beautiful tune, kind of, uh, I heard a little eagle sounding in there, kind of a beachy type flavor. On that yeah. Song. And more Brazilian as yeah, well. Yeah. Brazilian as well. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Warner and I wrote that song together. We, really? We've written a couple songs. Steve uh-huh. and I wrote a song called You Can Dream of Me, which he recorded mm-hmm had a number one country hit with and, and uh, a song called language of love, which is on the Orleans um, grown up children album, as well as um, he recorded it on one of his records. And, and uh, so, and a couple of songs that have never been recorded. This one um, was originally cut as a demo. And uh, then I, you know, added a rhythm section to it that does the sort of Brazilian uh, uh, bass and drum part to it and percussion. Uh, and Steve sang a duet with me on that. It's uh, he's such an extraordinary singer and player. He was playing Chet Atkins' gut string guitar. That when Chet died, hmm. his widow gave that guitar to Steve, really, who had played with Chet a lot and huh. you know backed him up on the road a bunch and was sort of a protege of Chet's. So um, yeah, that's a very very special song to me, and and it's it really is about being. Uh, being on some island or some vacation spot with somebody you love and not wanting to go back to reality, not wanting to go back to work or, you know, to the mainland mm-hmm. and uh, from whatever island you're on, <laughs> which could have been Isla Mirada. But yeah, another sunset is, uh, it's, it's a song that's out of a little bit out of my normal bailiwick. Right. But, but, you know, I like all different kinds of music, so I try to write and arrange them as well. Sure. Another beautiful song. Uh, of course, you mentioned Save the Monarch with Dara Williams, which is a, a another great song. Uh, Dara Williams is another, you know, person out there that's been around for a while. Uh, you know, like with Sean Coven, Joan Baez. I mean, the list goes on. Mary Chapin, uh, all the folk festivals. Another great song. 
um, All Up and Down, uh, another one with Joe, John Paul Daniel, a boogie. Yeah, John movie. Paul and I wrote that. It was boogie woogie country. <laughs> I was celebrating a celebrating yeah. a birthday, and somebody came up to me and said, "Congratulations, happy birthday!" Well, it's all up and down from here, <laughs> and you know it's true. Like you want, just when you think that things are getting better, you're on the upswing, and you got it knocked. There will be some kind of a always kind of a downswing. Oh, or if you're depressed and everything seems like it's gone to hell in a handbasket. Upswing. <laughs> then you know, it's not going to stay that way either. Exactly. So living in the middle is the key to having a stable yeah. life. And and uh, for me, to you know, not let my emotions go too far one way exactly. or the other. So, yeah, it's all up and down from here. It's just situational, <laughs> you know, try to write as a fictitious person, but it could be a real person. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, losing your job, yeah, getting a job and everything looks great, and then you lose your job. And you lose and the stock market's going to hell, and yeah, you're broke. Or, <laughs> or you're you're in love with somebody. You think you found your life partner, and right, and then you catch them with somebody else. And and or the last verse, which is about uh, the preacher says, "Be sure I'm going to burn." But the good book says, "I still got time to learn." <laughs> Before they lay me in my grave, there's a chance I might still get saved. Yeah, so profound. It's all up and down from here. And, you know, that's life. I, I just, I think it's really fun. That song is a rock, and yeah, you know, New Orleans. And John Paul wrote yep. uh, a lot of the music on piano, playing that stride. He grew up uh, in, he's from Tulsa. Grew up in Memphis. Spent a lot of time in New Orleans mm-hmm. before moving to Nashville. And uh, yeah, and he plays that New Orleans kind of stride piano really great. And uh, yeah, so that's a. Uh, Great song. That's a fun song. Thanks. And quite World on Fire, a little reggae there, huh? Yeah. As I said before, I think you know we started that song. Yeah. On January of uh, of twenty nineteen, I believe mm-hmm. that was. And then when the Australian wildfires were, yeah, doing you know terrible things to all the kangaroos and wallabies, terrible and koalas, and you know, yeah, not to mention people. Yeah, and incredible clouds of smoke, uh, causing people to, you know, to have respiratory problems. And so we started writing it, and then later that year, like that was January by April or May of that year, California was on fire, as they are again <laughs> now. There's a fire that I just read today jumped the containment lines, and uh, another one. Really, I didn't hear that. Oh. And you know, it's it's record heat in the Southwest right now. And, That's and, true. Uh, and record drought as well. And yeah. uh, so uh, World on Fire talks about that. It starts out talking about communication. Mm-hmm. Um, the first verse is, uh, let's talk to each other if we still remember how. Uh, and it could be a couple talking to each other. In the video of World on Fire, there's a couple sitting on the couch, each of them looking at their cell phones. <laughs> yeah. uh, and um, and there's an image at the Tower of Babel. And, yeah. Uh, and in the last, the second verse has uh, uh, has stuff about uh, talk about the thousand million creatures' lives destroyed. Yeah. Talk about the air too too thick with smoke and ash to breathe. Talk about destruction is too much to grieve. <clears throat> World on fire, and then it's basically the chorus is a prayer. You know, mm-hmm. um, using the word Jah, the Rasta for God. Right. Uh, Right. Which was also job goes back to Yahweh, the yeah. Hebrew uh, name for God, and and yeah. uh, so it's um, you know I, I like writing songs that hit a lot of bases, and that one mm-hmm. 
that one does, but it's it's the reggae beat. That was uh, uh, Sean Paddock who played drums, uh, has played drums with Kenny Chesney for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, now plays drums on most of this record. And uh, he played on that. And John Paul played acoustic rhythm and I played electric mm-hmm. rhythm. Uh, John Cowan not only sang back up on that, on that song, but played bass on it. Right. And came up with a, a really cool reggae bass part for it. So it's, it was a lot of fun to record. It's a serious subject, but, but hopefully people will get a lift oh, yeah. out of it. It's got a good beat. You can dance to it. Exactly. And great lyrics. Thank you, you know, our uh, BBS radio, we started in uh, paradise and the, you know, paradise, California, yeah, yeah. Wiped out and the station burnt down. Then they moved to Lafayette, California. They wanted to go back to Paradise, but the restrictions there now are so expensive, they have to leave California. So that's why they're moving to Houston. Now they're going to Houston instead of moving out of California. So, hopefully there won't be, won't be too many floods and hurricanes. There. I know. I know. This is the second fire they've been through that their house burnt down, too. I, I have a friend who had a house in Malibu and the yeah. Malibu fire wiped that out a couple of years ago. And then they were she was renting a house at Calabasas mm-hmm. and, and nearly had to evacuate that one. Crazy. Isn't it? Uh, because of the fires up in Northern California, you know, my daughter and son-in-law and granddaughter mm-hmm. live in Oakland and, you know, they've had to, for the last couple of years, had to wear masks just when they go outside because certain times a year, because the fire seasons have yeah. been so bad. It's apocalyptic. And I hope that enough people get that message yep. that it's not just people in Florida or just people in California. Right. Uh, but that everybody is going to be feeling. Oh, it. sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be life threatening and will change the way of life mm-hmm. for a lot of people. I was, when I was in Congress, I was on the subcommittee or the mm-hmm. select committee mm-hmm. on uh, global warming and energy independence. Mm-hmm. And we heard a lot of testimony, including the very first um, witness that was called in 2007, my first year after I got sworn in to Congress, uh, was Jim Wilsey, James Wilsey, the former head of the CIA for right. for three presidents of both Republican and Democratic parties. Mm-hmm. And and Wilsey's comment at that hearing was, what, he was asked what the serious, the most serious security threat to the United States was. Mm-hmm. And his answer was climate change. Yeah. He said, if we don't, you know, that'll be the most destabilizing thing Mm-hmm. for all countries around the world and that it'll, it'll affect our national security. And I've always, you know, when I ran for Congress, I, I wrote most of my own material, my own flyers and mm-hmm. statements and so on to begin with. And I started out saying education security is national security. Mm-hmm. Healthcare security is national security. Right. Water, clean water security mm-hmm. is national security you know, uh, et cetera, security from being burned out in a wildfire. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what else could be affecting your security, your family's right. security? It's a bigger threat than what mm-hmm. some, you know, hijacker in another part of the world is, is plotting. Yeah. Maybe not as dramatic now, but it'll certainly be dramatic. You know, and we heard testimony about, uh, of how the grain belt, mm-hmm. where most of the food in this country is grown, if the projections for worst case scenario happen, yeah, that growing latitude is going to move north into Canada. Right. And I asked the head of NOAA, who was giving us a tour uh, 
of the facility, their facility in Colorado, uh, what, uh, well, in that case, we'll be buying grain from Canada. And he said, yes, but they run into the alluvial plain mm-hmm. where there's rocks and, you know, uh, moraine from glacial activity ages ago. So it doesn't necessarily mean that because growing latitudes are going to go further north, that the other conditions like soil quality and, mm-hmm. and rockiness were, are going to cooperate yeah. with cultivation. So, uh, you know, this is a, it's a situation where uh, coastal cities like Charleston or New York, Philadelphia, uh, mm-hmm. Miami, you mm-hmm. know, Fort Lauderdale, there, there's so many that are already seeing increasing in high tides. Right. Uh, even during non-stormy weather, sunny day, high tides that cause the water to come up through the manholes yeah. in the street. Um, and uh, it's, it's already documentable, has been documented. Sure. Uh, so, you know, if my writing and singing about it helps people to, uh, I agree to, to think of it yeah. good, you know, I, I don't have the, the podium of being a member of Congress anymore, but, but it is, I, when I think of my granddaughter, mm-hmm. you know, this is, I just hope that I and my generation sure. can leave her and her mm-hmm. generation exactly. a world they can live on safely. And, yeah. and, and it's in doubt right now. I have so five I, grandchildren. My age need to be yeah. needs to really trying to be active about that. Sure. I, I have five grandkids. I'm, I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really worry about that. You know, I worry about, I worry about the water. Uh, the, the oceans, uh, the Gulf, you know, I don't, I'm not into drilling out there in the Gulf. I think that's bad. You know, it yeah. destroys the wild, the, 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 uh, the wildlife, all those, when, when they drilled out in the Gulf, all those, the whales, we had uh, the whale sharks, you can see them off the shore of like Tampa, you know, yeah. I mean, they don't be- they don't belong that close to the shore. And it's all because of that mess they made out there. That that spill was horrible. You know, yeah. I, I'm surprised it's cleaned up. You know, I, it can't be cleaned up. Right. Well, there are. Yeah, there's permanent effects of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also there are other wells that leak, and you know, it's gradually. It's but it adds up over time. And, um, yeah. I, you know, unfortunately, the, the, the fact is that. If we want to get a handle on climate change, we should stop drilling for oil. Period. Yeah, I agree. Uh, because the more you drill it and pump it, the more people are going to burn it, uh, petroleum products of any kinds, and that is going to cause the climate to continue to get hotter. So, uh, you know, going back to '79 when we did the No Nukes concerts, right. I mean, at that point we had spent, I think, fifty billion dollars of taxpayer money subsidizing the nuclear industry. Was that doubled at least by now? But also, we've subsidized the fossil fuel industry and mm-hmm. have for ages, and give them all kinds of tax breaks and and uh, you know and and it's a uh, it's ironic and disturbing to me that that um, the companies, the same companies that made gazillions of dollars yeah. polluting this earth, may wind up making more gazillions fixing it for us. It may turn out that's the only way to get it fixed. Right. Because government may or may not be able to afford to do the job. Mm-hmm. But um, but whatever it is, it comes down to personal choice. I just try to drive the most efficient car I can drive and mm-hmm. not drive unnecessarily. And, yep. uh, and uh, you know, buy as little plastic as I can. And, I know. Uh, 
and and recycle and do all the things that I think I can do as an individual and then and then preach about it like this <laughs> when I have an opportunity. But but my record, I just wanted to remind people it's not all gloom and doom. And no, no. There are other songs that are just, you know, fun yeah. songs. Oh yeah. It's it's a great album. I, I really enjoyed it and I know everybody will. I I wanted to mention, you know, you, you guys worked hard for the no nukes thing, but it I I just read that is there 60 commercially operating nuclear plants with 98 nuclear reactors now in the United States. It, that sounds incredible. It was up closer to a hundred. Really? Peak. Yeah. That were operating now. That, oh my, uh, holy cow. Yeah. I didn't realize there were so many. Yeah. And you know, it, and some of them are newer, newer than others. Right. Um, there is a conversation going on right now among environmentalists as well as, you know, other planners about whether nuclear power helps with the climate change problem. But huh. the problem, there are a couple of problems with it regarding that. One is it's not really carbon free. Right. It takes a lot of diesel power to mine for uranium, mm-hmm. uh, to refine it, to, to truck it, to barge it mm-hmm. uh, to the reactors where um, when after it gets uh, fissioned in the reactor core, it needs to be cooled forever initially right. in the cooling pond on site. And when there's an outage, then the replacement power for that and for just the, the power going out into the wires is coming from diesel or natural gas backup generators. And if and when they ever open a this repository for final storage of household, uh, not household hazards, waste, radioactive waste from these reactors, it'll, it'll have to be barged or trucked to that. But more interestingly to me is the fact that nuclear plants in Ohio mm-hmm. and in Florida and a couple of countries in Europe have had to shut down during the summer, last couple of summers, because the bodies of water they were on are oh, too hot to be able to cool the core. They always cite a, a nuclear plant and, and a lot of other power plants on water because they can use the water for cooling. Yeah, And, um, and so if water gets above 70 degrees or so, they're pumping it through the core where the fission reaction is going on doesn't cool it down, you know, and and that's what you can run into a problem with the reactor melting down, and you have another Fukushima on your on your hands. Mm. So uh, why invest more billions of dollars after the, you know, after what we've already put in, you know that that kind of generation, the, the nuclear generation kilowatt was supposed to be free right. in the fifties when we started out with the Atoms for Peace program. Right, it was supposed to be too cheap to meter. They said. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's never been free. And now it's the most expensive way to generate power, more than natural gas, more than solar, more than wind, more than tidal power, more than geothermal, more than hydroelectric. And all those renewables are what we should be spending Mm -hmm. any future money on, in my opinion, and efficiency. Right. The cheapest kilowatt is one you don't burn, Mm -hmm. you don't use. So if you can make windows more efficient and make insulation (laughs) better, especially in old apartment buildings and cities where you know, air conditioning tends to run too much because exactly. there's yeah. so many leaks around the windows and sure. weather stripping and everything. And that's yeah. all, and that's jobs, yep. you know, and that's, it's I not agree. high tech. It's, it's basically uh, carpentry yep. and plumbing. It hires a lot of people. And, uh, you know, we still have really just scratched the surface of things like, yep. like wave power, which has been proven to work mm-hmm. in California, among other places where the, the buoys, mm-hmm. just if you sail at all, or if you're, you know, boating at all, you see these buoys rising up and down on the waves, right? 
And the horns, if you horn a buoy, go, mm-hmm. as you go by it, it's because there's a diaphragm that gets compressed and pushes air through this horn. And mm-hmm. that's how they sound. You know, the bell buoys rock and make the bell ring. Right. The ones that have a horn, the waves going up and down make them do that. Well, that's energy mm-hmm. that can be harnessed and has been. In California, there have been test, you know, pilot programs with a mm-hmm. field of buoys that where the diaphragm, as the buoy goes right. up and down with the waves, generates electricity and send it on mm-hmm. wires back into the shore and up onto the grid where it goes out and powers homes and businesses. Yeah. And these are things, if we're going to throw money at something, right. you should be throwing at all those alternatives. How's that for a speech? <laughs> I wish you were still there. You know? uh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, I think. Uh, but, you know, it's... Uh, it's all knowledge. It's, it's just, you know, things that we all should try to acquaint mm-hmm. ourselves with. And, and uh, you know, how we vote should be at least in large part determined by that. You know, I'm yeah. not going to vote for somebody who I think is going to make this planet right unlivable for my granddaughter who lives in Oakland, California. Right. Or really anywhere, on, you know, in this country or on the earth. <clears throat> so, um, or... I'm also not going to support a corporation. Mm-hmm. Those things that I think are environmentally. Well, that's, that's more important than the politician, you know, the, the corporation. In some ways they have more power, but exactly. you know, the high tech companies, uh, yeah. you know, have, have more capital than most of the countries on the face of the earth. So many people but, think about the president. Oh, it's his fault. He should do this. It's your local um, you know, people that you should be more concerned about, you know, this in your own state, you know. Well, you can have more an effect on your local people. Yeah, exactly. Your, your local officials, your county officials, your state officials. Right. You can have more of an effect on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they respond. I mean, I served in, you know, Congress sure. for two terms and I had right. a staff that had somebody who was always in charge of veterans affairs. I had somebody who was mm-hmm. always in charge of, of passports and visas getting you know problems solved for the people in the right. I represented my constituents and um you know if, if I were to call up or if anybody the you know the average person calls up your congressman's office or women's uh, office mm-hmm. and says you know uh, I've got a problem because the the septic system and or the sewer system in my town is not right uh, is not working right or because uh you know, I have such and such, you know, I can't stand the emissions from this mm-hmm. refinery upwind mm-hmm. for me right. uh, that are blowing by and my family's having to breathe. Whatever it is, it's like then they respond. Mm-hmm. They keep a pro and con on every issue of how many sure. people call, how many people write mm-hmm. uh, to them and email or text them. And, and uh, so I, I would say, you know, if you're not a squeaky wheel, you know, right. nobody will respond. So, so that's I learned that being on the on the congressional side of things, yep, or the county legislative side of things. Yeah. People would call me and ask me to fix their, you know, to help get their sewer system fixed, mm-hmm. their, their mm-hmm. septic system, mm-hmm. or approve get it approved. Yeah. And um, you know, we don't do county elected officials at any level don't necessarily do all of that, but they do mm-hmm. a lot. And uh, so, yeah, talking to your local people is 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 very, really important very very important. was ralph nader i think said all politics begins at home at home right? that's and, true yeah. 
Yeah, you should worry about your the place you live, you know, first, your, your state. So back back to the happy, funny <laughs> songs. <laughs> you, you knew we were going to go. Yeah, you know, I've got to go both places. <laughs> uh, the song that comes after World on Fire and before mm-hmm. Welcome Home is uh, yeah. a Future Ex-Wife, which is... Yeah, another, yeah, I, I love that title. <laughs> and, um I've heard that people use that phrase, and uh, mm-hmm. but the idea that we're kind of shaped by our families, and so that we tend to repeat patterns. Right. Maybe we're trying to recreate our parents' relationship or mm-hmm. something that we grew up with. And uh, the bridge to that song says, "Like a moth to a lantern, it feels mm-hmm. like a pattern I'm doomed to repeat." You know, it's a. Uh, That's a great lyric. You know, it's it's <laughs> thank you. It's it's just. But it's a real fun song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played, I played the guitars on. John played, Paul played mm-hmm. the bass on it, and and Sean Paddock, the drummer, the Kenny Chesney uh, drummer who played mm-hmm. on most of the record, played drums on it. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's funny. It's about a, a serious <laughs> thing, but it's good to be able to laugh about it. I also want to mention uh, the. Uh, I lost my train of thought here. Uh, the, the, the big album, the um, No More Than You Can Handle. Right. Um, you did something during Isolation in 2020, I think, right? About that, you know, regarding that album, which which is, it's a double disc. I made a video of the song, the title yeah. song. No More Than You Can Handle. That's got everything Orleans on that, on that album. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, the re- that record, uh, no more than you can handle, has the Orleans has like "Dance with Me" and "Still the One" and right. uh, and you know a lot of album tracks, but also has live versions of a lot of songs. It's a it's a double CD with you know one of them being live and one of them being studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we did a ver- uh, a video in 2020. Right, it was there was the first thing that we did uh, collaboratively. Um, from isolation, each of us in our own homes. And, and you can find that if, if you go to orleansonline.com right. uh, or to YouTube, there we have a channel mm-hmm. so Orleans online on YouTube. So uh, you can see that video and you can see the home video, which is another one that we did later that year. Um, a song that I had released previously on a solo record, but had never done it with Orleans before. And we did a, a pretty nice version of that in my opinion. And, and, uh, and a video of us uh, doing it. Cindy Cashtower, who's a, a wonderful uh, uh, lap steel player and dobra mm-hmm. player, played played lap steel on it. She's a former Americana Musician of the Year oh. uh, wordy from the uh, Americana <clears throat> Music Association, and and uh, she's uh, played with everybody from Sleep at the Wheel to. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, a list of people that uh, I'm not going to be able to uh, apparently remember right now, but um, but anyway, so uh, that started a series of things that uh, you know we started recording new songs in isolation. Right. We're working on a Christmas album, the first one we've ever done. It'll awesome. be it's just about finished. Needs a couple more instruments on mm-hmm. a couple of songs, and then it'll be mixed. It'll be done by the end of June. And uh, and we're also working on a 50th anniversary record because 
the first show we did as Orleans was in January of 1972. So this coming January. Oh, yeah. Hard to believe, but it'll be our 50th uh, anniversary. So that record is going to come out, you know, the beginning of the year. It's amazing, isn't it? 50 years. It is. But, you know, there are a lot of brand new songs that have been written uh, recently and and Mm -hmm. some that we've had but never cut them Mm -hmm. uh, or are recutting them. And a few that we we picked from you know songs other people had written, but it's all new material for Orleans, and we're we're excited about both of those projects. I, I want to mention Orleans is going to be back in Clearwater on Friday, July twenty third at Ruth Eckerd Hall, and you guys are going to be with the Pure Prairie League and my buddies Firefall. I've had every member from Firefall on the show. Oh, these guys are awesome. And these are three very tight bands. You guys, you guys are so tight. Orleans has always been a tight band. Pure Prairie League. I mean, I, I, I love this, you know, this uh, lineup. It's, it's, it's incredible. We play with those guys a lot. And yeah. uh, we get repackaged with them we, before Russ Young passed away. Mm-hmm. Rest, rest his soul. Uh, we, we played with Poco a lot. Uh, yep. Played with Ambrosio a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just did a show with... Uh, <clears throat> Land rhythm section in Georgia, yeah, Hiawassee, Georgia. You know, but it, it's it's the era I think that we came out of uh, that we're best known for the songs we're best known for came out of the late seventies, and and so that's uh, that's what people are uh, are packaging us together with, right? And they're all great guys and great players and singers, and we yeah. get to, to hear and see some of the folks <laughs> that we love do their material. Now, are you part of this yacht rock? New phase music they're calling well, yacht rock. Yeah, they play, they play our music. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but um, you know, and I've I've spoken to those folks. We did it was called Sail Rock mm-hmm. in uh, 2013. It was the right. year after Larry died. I had just gotten back in the band. Yeah, uh, and um, we went out with Christopher Cross and Robbie Dupree, and, right, and Gary Wright and Player and. Mm-hmm. A bunch of bands that were, you know, are kind of in that mm-hmm. rocky world. Yeah, and uh, we were actually the house band backing up John John Ford Coley doing the yep. England Dan and John Ford Coley songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Love is the answer. Yeah, he's and, been uh, on the show. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, good guy. Great writer, great musician. Yeah. Uh, so we we had a lot of fun doing that, and and uh, but. Then they changed the uh, next year from sail rock mm-hmm. to yacht rock. The yacht rock, yeah. yeah. And I had a sailboat, but not a, a, a yacht, really. So yeah, that's why I wasn't allowed out there. <laughs> so some of the other guys that were in politics, I I didn't know. I knew about Sonny Bono, you know, but I right. didn't know about Martha Reeves that she was involved in in politics as well. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Between 2005 and 2009, she served on the Detroit City Council. Good for her. That's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There have been a couple of couple of people who were sort of amateur songwriters or mm-hmm. performers, um, and I can't remember their names now. But but uh, I guess Martha and me and uh, and Sonny. Um, yeah. I didn't know Sonny, but. Mm-hmm. Um, God bless him. Yeah, I served with his wife, Mary, his widow, Mary Bono, mm-hmm. in Congress. Uh, after he died, she ran for and won the seat that he had right. served in. Yeah. 
Um, I was lucky enough to see Larry, uh, Larry Hoppin here in, Sar- in Sarasota. He did uh-huh. a Giving Hunger the Blues show and him and John Cafferty. It was in 2011. I got mm-hmm. some great pictures of Larry, by the way, if you, if you ever right. need pictures of Larry. We always need pictures. Yeah. 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 He, he was fantastic. Uh, and uh, I, I, like you, I, I do miss him. He was, he's a, you know, great voice, you know, yeah. seemed like a great right. guy. Yep. Interesting yeah. thing about uh, about Larry and me and mm-hmm. the double lead guitar. So we could like I'm still the one. There's that double lead solo, right? Love and uh, and same thing on what I need or mm-hmm. or, or uh, waking and dreaming. Um, when I first met Larry, I had been playing in New York, doing sessions and a few club gigs and and um, writing and directing music for a Broadway show and an off Broadway show. Mm-hmm. And but I was. Uh, signed to Columbia by Harvey Brooks, the bass player from the Electric Flag, who had played on Bob oh, Dylan's yeah. Blonde on Blonde record. And sure, he was a kind of legendary bass player. But um, he played with and hung out with Paul Butterfield and so you know, mm-hmm. on, yeah, Albert Grossman, Woodstock, New York crowd. Um, but so I went to a jam session at, at Harvey's loft and um, in Soho, Manhattan, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I walked in with my guitar, plugged in with an amplifier, and everybody's playing, a bunch of musicians playing already. Wells Kelly was the original drummer from Orleans. Uh, had the, I had worked with him in the studio, but had not performed with him yet. Mm-hmm. Was playing drums, and uh, Harvey was playing bass. And, and Paul Harris, who uh, legendary keyboard player from Manassas, Steve Stills, mm-hmm. and, and from, uh, he had a gold record on his, on his bathroom door, mm-hmm from the inside of the bathroom door from doing the horn arrangement for the Doors soft parade album. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, but these guys were all jamming. Yeah. And I picked up my guitar, plugged into an amplifier and started playing. It was just funky jam in the key of D. And I started playing the melody to, uh, the theme from Aquarius. I just playing instrumentally. And across the loft, I hear somebody playing harmony with me. A third above, you know, guitar, lead guitar, a third above my mm-hmm. melody I was playing. And it was Larry Hoppin. And okay. I just, I, uh, when we finished, we did some kind of blues ending on the song. And hmm. I got up and walked across the room and shook, stuck my hand out and shook his hand. I said, I'm John Hall. And he said, I'm Larry Hoppin. And that was how we met. Hmm. It was just like magic guitar connection. And then it turned out he's also a fabulous singer and, and, mm-hmm. uh, was the lead vocalist on still the one oh, still the one yeah and and uh we wound up making a lot of really good music together and yeah and he was also a very generous guy with his time and efforts for humanitarian yeah. stuff yeah. including uh trying to raise money for kids with aids to get the yeah. and uh and so you know it's a it's a family vocal blend with with larry mm-hmm. lance our bass player still mm-hmm. our bass player Mm-hmm. And singing a lot of leads now. He didn't sing so many lead parts back then, but yeah. uh, he's singing a lot of Larry's parts now. And their younger brother, Lane, mm-hmm. who plays keyboard and trumpet and melodica, as did Larry. And they all have that Hoppin family sound and blend mm-hmm. really well together. So, so, and I've been singing with Hoppins long enough that I can blend with anyone. <laughs> I heard you sing Still the One on, on YouTube. You do a good, you do a great job. Thanks. <laughs> Who, who's singing, singing as high as 
as Larry did. Yeah, yeah. Who, who's singing it in concert? Who sings? Uh, Fly Amaro, the, the other guitar player from the band. Okay. Right. He replaced me when I was out of the band. Right. Once when I was doing solo projects right. and once when I was in Congress. Fly was was my replacement in the band, and he mm-hmm. and Larry played together. So he knows all Larry's parts and all of my parts. And yeah. after Larry passed away, I, and I came back to the band. Now Fly and I since then are playing and singing together. And, and mm-hmm. he has a great voice and he's an unbelievable guitar player. So um, so that's a lot of fun and it's closing another circle for me. Well, you got a great tour coming up and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope to see you in Clearwater for sure. John, here's your final question. And I, I probably asked you this before when, when I interviewed last time. Uh, if you had a Field of Dreams wish, like the movie, to perform or collaborate with anyone from the past or present, who would that be? <laughs> well, if, if you count the deceased ones. Yeah, um, sure. I'd say Red, Red Charles or Aretha Franklin. Right? Oh, wow. But, but you know, I, I would love to... Uh, I'd love to do some work with Larry Car- Larry Carlton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to, you know, to play or write with or for uh, Robin Ford. Or um, I, 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 I would love to work with Lake Street Dive in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've I've been on stage or shared a stage with Rosie uh, Sills and Nash. Uh, <clears throat> not never with Neil Young, but I'd love to do work with Neil Young. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Snarky Puppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, the, I'm a very lucky guy because I've worked with already so many people whose work I admire. And you have. I'm excited about, you know, playing and singing and writing with. And uh, so I'm, I'll just take the opportunities or the, the intersections that's, serendipity brings them to me as as uh, the great spirit brings you know me into their lives or them into my life that you know of course you worked with janice cool. joplin which janice, is, yeah well yeah. that's that's pretty big yeah did you meet jimmy hendrix have you met jimmy uh jimmy came to hear my band kangaroo uh-huh. uh, our band kangaroo at the cafe wild greenwich village right i uh, sat in the front row I was playing bass in that band and Teddy Spelios was playing guitar and he, Teddy had, has guitar in Jimmy's face and his foot on his table. As he was oh, I think as I recall, we were all tripping at the time <laughs> uh, and maybe he was too, yeah. but um, I never met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, I've, I've, uh, that was an incredible time. I mean, I, I, during that time when we were playing at the Cafe Wild in Greenwich Village, uh, Jimmy was playing as Jimmy James in the Blue Flames mm-hmm. around the corner at the Cafe Agogo backing up right. uh, John Hammock mm-hmm. doing straight blues. Yeah. And uh, James Taylor, the Flying Machine, his band at the time with Danny Korchmar on guitar mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Bishop O'Brien playing drums and, and, uh, and uh, Zach Wiesner playing bass. We're playing at the... Uh, Night Owl Cafe mm-hmm. on 4th Street in Greenwich Village. And the Love and Spoonful had just left the Night Owl Cafe to go on the road oh, after yeah. they had a hit with Do You Believe in Magic? Mm-hmm. It was just at such a fertile time uh, in the village at that point. I've, I've had a couple of those things. I've been in Nashville when it was really right. happening here. I've been in Woodstock a lot when it was really happening there. And, uh, you know, I'd still love to... Uh, 
to work with some of those people who I know from those times again, or work with them in a different way. Um, right. But um, I've never actually played. I was on stage with Bruce Springs one time at, at Madison Square Garden at uh, Pete Seeger's 90th birthday celebration. Mm-hmm. And um, along with Del McCoury and mm-hmm. I think Jackson was there and, and yeah, you know, a, a ton of other artists who were all honoring Pete. And, uh, but I would love to work with Bruce in some way. I shared a stage alternating sets with him at the Cafe Wild uh, ages ago for both of us. But, you know, it's a, I'm just waiting to be surprised by, you know, whatever happens next. So yeah, I want to stick around to see what, what it is. You were born in Baltimore, and so oh, was wow. I. So oh, was really? I, yeah. Yeah. And well, you, you performed in the Georgetown in D.C. I, I worked in D.C. for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad had stores in D.C., and I, I had a lot of politician customers. Uh, right. I had drinks with James Wright, the Speaker of the House at the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. We had drinks together at a club. Um, I, I, uh, Senator Warner bought some things for me. Um, what's his name? The, uh, the, the right hand man from Ronald Reagan that died from a, uh, brain tumor. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, the one who recanted at the end of his life. He was also a, uh, a guitar player. He was excellent guitar player. Uh, he was a client of mine. He always bought headphones, the best headphones. Uh, I, I can't think of his name now, and it's terrible. But yeah, it was very interesting working in DC all these years. <laughs> I saw a lot of things. Uh, yeah, especially uh, in the sixties. It's, it's been pretty interesting. I, you know, I had a couple of highlights from from that. Mm-hmm. It connected the music and the politics. You know, Jackson Brown told me, right, keep a guitar in your office. Yeah. It might be what keeps you sane, you know, and I, I had, I did do that. I kept an acoustic yeah. guitar there and, and, uh, and I was uh, on my way up in the elevator to a series of boats mm-hmm. and, and one of my Republican colleagues turned to me in the elevator and said, mm-hmm. did you really write that song dance with me? And I said, yes. And he said, <laughs> could you sign this for my wife? That was the first, <laughs> first dance we had at our wedding. And, you know, it's just you never know. Music crosses all boundaries. It, it and, does. And, yeah. It, it, so it's, uh, it's good to have a language everybody speaks. Exactly. I want to thank you, John, for being on the show today, man. It's been a great thank pleasure. It's, it's great to see you again. Uh, good luck with the tennis. I mean, you're going to miss racquetball. You can't just quit racquetball. I love it. No, I probably do. I have to have some work done on my knees before I can do it. I, I know. Either. Me too. Yeah. It's, but uh, I, I played enough. I played enough sports that, uh, mm-hmm. and I was a big skier and ski instructor, and I was really? a windsurfer, uh, you know, which is all of your joints and your whole body works when you're windsurfing. <clears throat> and uh, so over the years, I just gradually wore the cartilage down, and, and but hopefully uh, either the stem cell platelet treatment will work mm-hmm. and I'll grow it back, or or they'll do whatever the newfangled next <clears throat> thing is to it. I've, so, I've got metal plates up and down my right arm. From several surgeries, from falling down and doing stupid things. Well, stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. Half bionic now, I guess. You know. Yeah, uh, you know. I think you know, it's, it's, as a friend of mine says, 
nice to be here. Nice to be anywhere. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely so, right. But, but we're, you know, my, I, I've always loved music. I started playing because I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I didn't set out to be successful in the business. Right. I, and I didn't uh, set out to be famous. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was playing guitar, you know, when I was 12 at high school dances, three guys playing and singing through one amplifier, uh, an old Sears and Roebuck Silvertone amplifier <laughs> at the time. It was all distortion probably, but, yeah. uh, but I was doing it cause I loved it and I still mm-hmm. love it. So that's, uh, that's what I do. Retirement is a foreign term to me at the moment. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah. I don't blame you. Don't retire. Don't retire. Okay. Wait. You know, how much tennis can you play, right? Yeah, I haven't started playing golf yet. That's something yeah, I wait next. till I'm older. Yeah. But uh, I remember Bill Bradley, the uh, basketball yep. player from oh, New, yeah. York. Next, New York, was a senator from New York, yep. from New Jersey, sorry, New Jersey senator. Bill Bradley was asked, I think, after he got out of Congress, mm-hmm. he was going to take up golf now. And he said, I would never play a, a sport where the ball was that small. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I kind of feel the same way, but I'll I'll probably change my mind. Yeah, at some point. Yeah. Well, a, lot need, of, a, lot of, a lot of rock and rollers who play golf. You know, you yeah. can go out and play with Alice Cooper. <laughs> He's a great golfer. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I, I want to mention Alice, but maybe I will someday. Yeah, um, purchased a brand new album by John Hall entitled "Reclaiming My Time" at Amazon.com. You can get it today. Don't forget, Orleans will be performing Friday, July 23rd at Ruth Eckerd Hall with Pure Prairie League and Firefall. Uh, I will be attending that. For more information about John Hall in Orleans, visit johnhallmusic.com. He's on Instagram, backslash John Hall Music, Facebook, www.facebook.com, backslash John Hall.musician. Uh, Orleans, www.orleans.com. Orleans, Orleans is on, on Facebook. Orleans, Orleansonline.com. Orleansonline.com. And you can also check out all the uh, latest music on YouTube as well. Uh, very special thanks to the great Anne Layton, who I've known now for many years of Layton Media. She's yeah. awesome. Uh, late media music services motivation for today's interview with John Hall and of course the dynamic duo of Doug and Don Newsom of BBS Radio who are in the process of moving to Houston as we speak John peace love stay healthy man do do everything that you do you're doing you know getting the word out through your music now and we really appreciate that thanks Ray and thank you so much for having me on and and uh Look forward to uh, the next time. Okay, John. Um, we'll, we'll probably see you around Christmas time. Excellent. Okay. Have All right. Bye bye now. Take care. Uh, thanks. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Interviewing the Legends, brought to you by. The Publicity Works Agency. Call 941-877-1552 or visit us at publicityworksagency.com. Specializing in author and music artist publicity plans. We shine when we make you shine. Tune in to 
Interviewing the Legends, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Time on BBS Radio, Station 1.